I've titled the message this morning, Bloom, Bloom, and I want you to know, uh, I knew I was going to, what I was going to be preaching on Monday of this week, and and it just, it was so flat, it was just flat, I, I, I mean, I knew the verses that I needed to, to speak on, I knew the direction that I wanted to go. I feel like our church needs this message. And, uh, and, and you'll hear the story in just a few minutes. On Thursday, God sent a man by my house. Just filled with joy. Now me and him had another, another little thing going on we've been working on for several months. But he said, uh, he said, I stopped by here for that. But he said, I can't control myself. I got to tell you what's going on. And I want you to know when he when he gave his testimony what's gone on in his life that day just hours before he stopped I want you to know it gave life to this sermon that the Lord was leading me to preach. So I want you to look with me this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians Chapter 2 and verse 14, I want you to know we're, we're going to read this and I'm going to use it to kind of lay this foundation of the message and then we're going to come back and we're going to dig into this verse just a little bit more. But I want us to see this scripture for just a second. Let me kind of lay some groundwork before we do. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul has written a letter to the Corinthians. I think it's very important when people study the Scriptures that they understand that the church at Corinth was a very troubled church. I hate to see it that so many churches want to take doctrine and form it around the things they find in 1 Corinthians because there was trouble taking place in this church. But what we find here is Paul has written in this first letter and he says, he says, church, there's a situation going on in your church that is improper. This man is having an, an, a sexual relationship with this woman that should not be taking place. And church, you are approving of it. He says, I am telling you in the name of the Lord, put this individual out of the church. Amen. When he says that, I mean, it was that's a pretty firm warning that he is giving them, and he goes on to explain that. Well, listen, this is what happens. They do exactly that. They go to this man just like the Scripture tells us to do, and this is what happened. That man repented of his sin. And so here is a situation, here is struggling taking place in this church and now Paul has written this second letter, and in writing this second letter, he is telling them, he says, listen to this. In, uh, in verse number 8, he says, Wherefore I beseech you that you should confirm your love towards him. In other words, he says, listen, this guy, you have brought the situation before him. He has repented. Now I want you to engulf him. Confirm your love toward this man. Bring him back in. I want you to know our church is never about putting people out of the church. Our church is about restoring people 
to the work of the Lord. But at the same time, God says, listen, if you've got someone in your church that's living a life that is improper, it gives me a bad name, it gives the church a bad name, do something about it. I want you to know that's not popular preaching nowadays. We are supposed to be teaching tolerance that you can live your life any way you want to and everyone that's a Christian has, can look different if they want to. No, we're all supposed to look like Christ. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. Skipping down to verse number 11, he says this. Now watch. He says, I want you to confirm your love to this one that we've had to discuss or talk to. And this is why. He says, least... Satan should get an advantage of us and we are not ignorant of his devices. So he's saying, listen, don't give the devil an opportunity to get into this and destroy the church, destroy this relationship, destroy this family. He says, I want you to know, I, you need to get, a, get ahead of this. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, he tells us, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And he tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we might stand against the wiles of the devil. He goes on to say that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Listen to this. Powers of the darkness... We need to understand this morning. We need to understand that there is an enemy out there and it wants to destroy us. It wants to bring any situation in our life that can defeat the testimony that we might have for Christ. He is warning us that this is what's taking place. So as I read verse number 14 down here, understand that this is the warning that he's giving us and he is telling us now as Christians, this is how we are to be walking. Watch this. Look in verse number 14. This is where we're going to form our message this morning. It says, Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savior of his the savor of his knowledge by us in every place for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish now i just want you to know when you read john 3:16 i mean everybody goes oh i i understood that perfectly i want you to know when the first time i read this verse i went huh Listen, we need to understand this verse this morning. I'm going to read this out of a different translation. This is the New International Version. Listen to this. It says, But thanks be to God who always, le always leads us in triumphal possession in Christ. Do you know what that just said? It says, listen, it's that triumphal possession, it is like a parade. It's like Jesus is doing this for us. He is leading us in a parade. We are the main focus of that parade. The triumph that God gives you when we are walking through life and as we are living for Christ, I want you to know people should be able to look at us and go, wow, that situation they're going through, how are they being so triumphant? 
How are they so joyous? How are they so carefree? How can they find such comfort? Look what it says. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant possession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. In other words, Christians, born again believers here this morning, this is only addressed towards you. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you don't know, you don't know anything that I'm talking about this morning. I am telling you, this is what God wants. No matter the what the situation, and we're fixing to look at some situations. No matter what the situation we find ourselves in in this world, no matter what it is, this is what Christ is saying. I want you to understand that I have given you victory. You're on this parade. I'm giving you this procession or this procession. And I want you to know, as I am lifting you up, I want everyone around you to see the sweet aroma that just eludes from you because I have asked you to bloom no matter what the situation is. I want people... A bloom draws your attention with your eyes. I want people to see you. I want to draw attention to you because of who I am in you. And not only that... When you speak forth, notice what it says. Everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. In other words, we're giving God the glory for this victory through this, this bad situation we're finding ourselves in. We're giving God the glory for it. In verse 15 it says, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved... Those who are perishing. I'll, I'll dig a little deeper into that in just a few minutes. So let's just stop for a minute. Okay? In order for us to understand this Scripture, in order for us to take this Scripture and apply it, we, we don't need to just be here at church this morning and go, oh, that was a pretty good message. He was excited about it. Listen, listen what we need this morning. We need to stop for a minute and we need to understand that we live life. <laughs> I know that second, and I, that's, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Job 14, 1 and 2. You know what that says? It says, man or mankind that is born of woman, their life is short and full of trouble. It's short and it promises you and me that this life that we're living is going to be full of trouble. So let me explain what this is. Let's look at some of the situations for just a second that Satan might use to deprive every single one of us of the peace, the comfort, and the triumph that God says here that He gives us in our lives through Jesus Christ. I want you to know if you're putting out an aroma or a fragrance in a situation that God is getting victory in it, and He is, I want you to know Satan's going to do everything he can do to squash you. I, I see it all the time. Brand new Christians. Brand new Christians get started and walk in life, and I want you to know Satan just jumps straddle them. He does all he can do to discourage them. To, to deflate their, their high, to get them, knock them off of that mountain that they're on. Because the song told us 
There's the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. He's, they're, they're talking about life. We don't live on the mountains. There's lots of valleys in life. Now watch. I've got to be real careful right here. When I mention situations, circumstances that we find ourselves in, because I'm your pastor. And see, I don't want anyone in here to think that I've got something to say to you and I would do the pulpit as a place to give that message. Let me promise you, if, if there's something going on in your life that I feel like I need to address, I will come to you. I will not say it from the pulpit. Okay? What I'm saying from the pulpit this morning is the principles of God's Word. Okay? But these are situations that we find ourselves in lives at one point or another that Satan uses to deflate our triumph. Financial loss. Something comes up. I'll mention this in just a minute. Family turmoil. Divorce. Just family not getting along. Just family situations. Another situation that Satan can use is death of a spouse, death of a parent, death of a child. Death of a grandparent, death of a friend. I've already mentioned marital problems. Situations like illness. When we don't understand why. We don't understand why this situation is on us. We don't understand, and, and I've, I've, I've referred to this in Ecclesiastes so many times. Oh, Solomon says, I've noticed that the, the righteous get what the, the evil deserve or the wicked deserve and the wicked get what the righteous deserve. He says, that's what life is. And Ezekiel, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, it says, time and chance happen to us all. Those, these are situations that come unexpectedly upon us. And what this scripture is telling us, this scripture is telling us as Christians, this is how we're supposed to handle these situations. Then life just gets involved. The house is leaking. The car broke down. Co-worker problems. The dog dies. I know I've probably already told you. About a year ago, I quit Soda Baptist Church. And it was all over a dog dying. We was raising puppies and female went out there and laid on 11 puppies and every one of them died. Made me so mad. Went out there the next day and our prize male golden retriever prettiest dog that we've ever had to breed with we put him on a chain because he had broke the fence and I went out there and he had run to the end of that chain and broke his neck. And I went in the house. And I said, Lord, if this is the way you're going to treat your servant, I quit. I let the situation of a dog dying put me in the place that was... I want you to know that's just a trap the old devil throwed out there. 
He almost, he almost got me. He almost got me. One other area that we find situations, consequences of sin that we have brought upon ourselves. Listen, the Bible tells us that God's going to discipline us and there's going to be consequences for our actions. But understand this. Watch. Understand this. In James 1.17 it says, Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. John chapter 10 and verse 10 it says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Now listen. When we find ourselves in situations, you put that on the scale. If it's evil, if it's bad, if it's harmful, if it's not good, it falls under the enemy side. If it's perfect and it's good and it comes from above, it falls on the Lord's side. Make sure you put it on the right side of the scale. I don't care if you're mad. It's okay to be mad. Just be mad at the right one. You know what I'm saying? When we're, when we're mad at the right one, you know what? We're able to go through the situation a little bit different. We are. That's where we get back to Job 14. Life on this earth is short and full of trouble. He also tells us the same thing in Psalms 103 and 15. One thing he tells us in Job chapter 14... I'm going to read it again. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower. He cometh forth like a flower. I like that. I use this in a lot of funeral services that I do, that our lives are like a flower. Again, in Psalms, in Psalms 103 and 15, it refers to our life. As a flower. We just got through reading in 2 Corinthians where it talked about we are the fragrance. When we talk about a flower, we talk about the aroma that a flower puts off. I want you to know, Christian, if you're here this morning, God desires for us to put off a fragrance. He desires for us to put off an aroma. And He says that so that the lost person can see it, but also for the saved person. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I didn't listen to the ladies' conference very much, but one portion that I did hear, when we're in the valley, I want you to know we're not to stay in the valley, we're to climb up out of the valley. But when you're climbing up out of the valley, make sure you reach back there and bring somebody out with you. Help them along the way as you're coming up out of the valley. Because it doesn't it doesn't just tell us to let our fragrance Show to the lost, but it also says, let your fragrance and your aroma produce to the point that even the saved see it, so that you can be an example. And I think about our kids that are in the congregation today. Adults, they're looking to us to see how we respond to financial situations, family situations, job situations, every situation. They're looking at us and seeing how we respond. I want to. I was telling somebody this morning that once I get this foundation played, the message is pretty quick. I hope we understand this morning that no matter the situation that we find ourselves in, God has one goal: that people see Christ in the good and in the bad. 
And hey, hey, listen, this this is sad that it's this way. Do you know that Christians many many times show Christ more in the bad situations because they're depending upon the Lord and people are seeing that strength that they're depending upon the Lord than in good situations. When things are when things are going good, when things are flourishing, when things are going your way, do you know so many times people Christians step back and they go, "Oh, I got this tiger by the tail." And they give no glory to the Father for their blessings. So watch this. Watch this. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, I want to give three examples. Two of them are from the Scripture, and then one I'm going to give of the testimony. I'm going to just call him Jake. That's not his name. But I'm going to give the testimony that Jake gave me this last week that just kind of put the glue to this message. This is what God wants us to do. This is what God wants us to do. No matter the situation that you find yourself in, God wants you to bloom. You hear me? God wants you to bloom. Let me, let me tell you this. I know we've got a lot of adults in here. Listen, y'all got a lot of maturity behind you. I, I want you to know this is one of the thoughts that I thought about this week. Do you know how many kids we have here this morning that their parents are not with them? Lots. I started to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want you to do that. But their parents are not with them. Listen, I'm talking to y'all this morning. You need to go home and bloom. You're the only Jesus that your parents might ever see. You're the only Jesus that your parents might ever read. You need to go home and you need to bloom. Now, I don't mind telling you. I've had some of these parents come to me and say, well, I don't know about old so-and-so. Now, I know he came down there to your church and he got baptized and he said he got saved, but he sure not acting that way at home. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, I'm having a problem at home. One of these kids in this situation, I said, well, are you being obedient at home? Well, no. Well, no wonder you've got problems at home. I said, and, and, and I explained, listen, you need to bloom at home. You need to show your guardians that Jesus is making a difference in your life. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah chapter 29. This is what's been taking place. God has warned the Israelite nation... He used the prophet Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. And he said, listen, nation, if you don't stop serving idols, I'm going to have a kingdom come in here and take you captive and take you out of the nation of Israel. That's what he told them. He says, listen, you better listen or this is going to happen. He gave them a hundred years of warning. And then we find ourselves in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 1. It says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residual or the elders that were carried away captive and to the priest and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. A thousand miles. Between 900 and a thousand miles. God sent this king in here, took them captive, took them back to their land. Look in verse 4. 
This is what God is telling them after they are suffering the consequences for their sin. Verse number 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto them that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build your houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat of the fruit of them, take wives, begot sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. What did he just tell them to do? Bloom! Now listen, you're fixing to have to suffer the consequences for what you have done because you have walked away from the Lord. But now listen, now that you realize where you're at, bloom. Repent from your ways. Start serving me and now bloom. You're going to be there for 70 years, rain or shine. You're going to be there for 70 years. So while you're there, bloom. That's what he said. Alright? Let's look at another example real quick. Acts chapter 16 and verse 24. I'll tell you what's happening. Paul has gone and he's in Philippi and here's a girl that's walking around and, and because she is possessed of a demon... These groups of men are making money off of her because she's able to prophesy, she's able to see the future, because she is possessed of this demon. This lady follows Paul around because she recognizes who Jesus is living in and through Paul. And Paul finally turns around and says, Get thee out of her. He cast out this demon from her when he did that. All of these people around realize that Hey, man, we're not going to be able to make a living anymore. He's done cast out this demon. They get mad. They cause a riot to take place in Philippi. They have Paul and Silas arrested. Now listen to Acts chapter 16 and and, uh, verse number 24, and this is what it says. Who having received such a charge, talking about Paul and Silas, they thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. In other words, they are chained to the floor after they've been beaten with many stripes. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. What did they do when they got imprisoned and beaten? They bloomed. They put off an aroma. They put off a fragrance That even to the point that this is what the prisoner guard said, what must I do to be saved? Because of the aroma. Why wasn't Paul and Silas laying in the middle of that floor saying, I don't understand. We give our life to proclaim the gospel. We give our lives to go and rescue the sick and the injured. Why is God letting us go through this? That is not at all what they've done. They sang praises unto God for being the God that they were for sending His Son Jesus to sacrifice His life so that I might have freedom. They bloomed. They bloomed. Now I don't want anyone in here for one second to think that I'm not saying that we should not be concerned that we should not mourn, that we should not have emotional feelings. God gave us emotions. 
in all the situations that we find, but at the same time, the Bible tells us to bloom in whatever situation that we find ourselves in. Whether it is situations uncontrolled by our own selves or situations where it's a result of our own fault or our own consequences, He tells us to bloom. Example number three. This is where Jake, and again, that is not his name, Jake came by the house. He said, Brother Wayne, he said, I stopped by to talk to you about these things that we had in common. He said, but I just can't help myself. i got to tell you what just happened. He said, Brother Wayne, he says, I was at this construction job up here, and a man came running up to me and throwed his arms around me and said, I just want to tell you, thank you. Do you even remember who I am? And he said, I, I tell you, I pushed him away and said, no, sir, I don't know, have a clue who you are. He said, don't you remember about three months ago you were here? Now, you have to understand, Jake is kind of a loner. He, he goes to a job site. He's in construction. He goes to a job site. He does his job, and he goes away. Most of the time, he gets to work by himself. He says, I don't get into the, the construction talk. And he says, I kind of stay to myself. He said, but for, the, for some reason, this guy was, I was working this job, and this guy was working in a flower bed there, and... He said something to me and a conversation sparked and for some reason he began to tell me about his family and how it was just falling apart. Before we were done, I said, he said, Jason, that was the young boy's name working in the flower. He said, Jason, he said, he said, man, let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. You, you, you need to allow God in the situation and I'll tell you, he said, things will change in your life if you'll put God first in this situation. He was telling me, he said, my family's busted up. They're up in Oklahoma. I'm down here. He says, I just don't see where there's any chance. Jake said, Jason, let's pray. He said he put his arms around him and he prayed with him. He said he never thought anything about it. Three months later, he's out on the same construction job. He's doing another piece of work. And when this man comes running up to him, throws his arms around him, he said, Jake, do you remember me? He said, no, I don't remember you. He said, let me tell you, three months ago you were on the same job and you prayed with me. I want you to know that my life has not been the same since the day that you prayed. The day that you prayed, my wife called me on the phone and said, honey, we need to talk. The day that you prayed, all of these barriers begin to fall down. And he says, I want you to know my life is different I've restored my walk with the Lord. He said, everything is so much better. And I want you to know, it was because Jake let the aroma of the spirit that lived in him ooze out so this person that was away from the Lord could see the aroma and the fragrance of his life. Are y'all getting this? And this is the part that I love. Jake told me, he said, now Brother Wayne, you have to understand. He said, I was not the main, same man I am, I was six years ago. He said, I want you to know I used to be one of those men. And I came to church, and I sit in the pew. <laughs> he said it this way, and I'd done my time. He said, I felt like I had, I had done what I was supposed to do as my religious duty for God. 
I attended church. He said, but something happened. And the Holy Spirit, and I won't tell you what it was through, but he said, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And he said, this is not the kind of man I am supposed to be. He says, I am not to be religious. I am to be a servant of the Lord God that saved me. That's what he said. I did, I, I'm not making up these words. He said, Brother Wayne, he said, six years ago, he says, I began to everywhere I went look for an opportunity that God would put in my path. He says, I didn't make any of it happen. I just told the Lord, I will make myself available that what I'm doing, if you sin and put somebody in my path, I will stand up for you and I will let them know that I'm a child of God and I will let them know that God can change their life if they'll just let Him. That's, that's what he said. He says, I am not one of these fanatics. And I think he was referring to me when he said it, but... He says, I'm not one of these fanatics that goes around knocking on doors. He said, I just want to live a life in front of God that He is pleased with, and that's all I am doing. And man, that scripture just came alive. And I, I said, Jake, you're the aroma. You are the fragrance that God is asking every single Christian in this room to be. Understand, I get those phone calls. Brother Wayne, I will never go to your church. I'm not going to a church full of hypocrites. I get those phone calls. I've got those phone calls from every church I've ever pastored. We're just people, okay? We're, we're just people saved by grace trying to do our best, and we are still sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. We're trying to do the best that we can do. But we've got a formidable enemy out there named Satan that is trying to beat us down every time we turn around. This is what God says. He says, listen, I am going to, I am throwing a parade in your honor. You live for me. And let that aroma of Jesus Christ who lives in you, I'm going to triumph over all of these situations. Understand that when this life is over, I'm guaranteeing you a place where there is no more turmoil. Just live for me today. 1 Corinthians 7, this is again the first letter that Paul wrote <coughs> to the Corinthians. And this is what he said. He says, listen guys, I'm going to paraphrase this. You, you can go read it when you get home. 1 Corinthians 7, 20 through 24. This is what he says. He says, listen guys, it don't matter where you're at right now when you get saved. You stay right where you are. You stay right where you are. I want you to know God needs mechanics who will let the aroma of Jesus Christ ooze through their life. God needs oil field workers. God needs housewives. God needs school teachers. God needs bus drivers. God, God needs every occupation out there for people who are born again to go into those occupations and let that aroma just ooze out of us of who Jesus Christ is. That's what He needs. That's what He, he says, listen... Don't go looking for that. I, I'll use Ronnie Bruce for an example real quick. I want you to know when Ronnie Bruce got saved, I want you to know it just got all over him. Y'all remember that? Amen. Ronnie Bruce came to my office. Brother Wayne, I think I'm supposed to quit my job. I think I'm going to start going to uh, Jacksonville Baptist College. I think I'm going to be a youth director. And I said, no, Ronnie. 
I said, God needs a Christian carpenter to get out there in the world and live as a Christian as he does carpentry work, as he deals with customers, as he deals with situations. And it took him three or four months, but he recognized, you know what, that is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Let me ask you, anybody remember seeing Ronnie on the mountain? Oh, yeah. Y'all remember seeing Ronnie in the valley? Oh, yeah. Back up the mountain he went. And listen, many people shamed him, you hypocrite. Let me tell you, Ronnie Bruce had a desire to love and serve the Lord, and he was just doing it in every situation that he could. I want you to know the enemy got the best of him sometime, but I want you to know he kept looking back. He kept looking back to come back to, to walk with the Lord so that he might be the example that he needs to be. Now, here's a, here's a hard scripture right here. James chapter 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. The trial, the struggle, the situation that you're going through right now will only make you stronger if you'll lean on Jesus. If you'll only lean on Jesus. And I want you to know, preachers are not exempt from situations, circumstances, and trials. None of us are. But I want you to know, when you'll depend on Jesus, He'll see you through. God's calling every single Christian in this room to bloom. 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 Let's stand again. <clears throat> Father, this morning, as I recall Sally singing, God of the mountains, the God of the valley also, that's where we find ourselves this morning. Some of us in this room are right on top of the mountain when it comes to Christian walk and service for you. And, and then there's others in this same room, born-again believers, going through a valley of a situation. And God, I'm just lifting up us both. God, I'm praying for those that are on the mountain to reach down in the valley to go beside those and, and help them out and strengthen them. God, help those in the, in the valley as they are... They are looking towards you and leaning on you just like that last verse I read. It gives us strength and perseverance. It matures us in our walk later on in life. But God, I'm praying for grace and mercy in these times. God, it's my desire this morning as, as the pastor at Soda Baptist Church that you use this church as, as a, a conduit to bloom in this community that everybody around us might see Jesus Christ in our lives. Father, we love you so much. I don't know what the need is in our lives this morning, but I just pray that you'll receive the glory that comes from it all, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond to this invitation if you need to respond this morning.